Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Before I preach, let me just pray again first quickly. Lord, uh, we come now to your word and um, pray that you would open our eyes and um, soften our hearts. Uh, Would you um, be our teacher this morning? And would you, uh, Lord, um, give us your Holy Spirit uh, in a uh, special way as we sit under your word? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Uh, Amen. So... John uh, Calvin, in his uh, Institutes of the Christian Religion, that book, he starts with this statement. He says, true and sound wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. True and sound wisdom consists of two parts, to know God and to know yourself. And then he goes through for a few pages asking the question, well, which one do you start with? Do you start with getting to know yourself and that's how you get to know God? Or do you start with getting to know God and that's how you get to know yourself? And here's what he says. He says, it is certain that man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he has first looked upon God's face and then descends from contemplating him to scrutinize himself. I remember when I was a young man growing up in church, I don't uh, remember how, but somehow this book got into my hands. This is a little book, it's called The Knowledge of the Holy. The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It's a fantastic uh, book, it's written in 1961. Uh, in 2006, Christianity Today named it one of the top 50 uh, most influential books uh, uh, for evangelicals. Uh, if you Google it, I think there's a free PDF Knowledge of the Holy, there's a free audio uh, book as well, but um, there's nothing flashy about this book. It's uh, just about 100 pages long, but Tozer's main goal was to answer this question, what is God like? What is, what is God like? Um, and in just, uh, he took about 20 attributes of God from the Bible, and in a few pages each, he explains each attribute, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God, the holiness of God, and so forth and so on. And in in here, he has one chapter each on what we call the omni-attributes of God. Have you heard of these? The omni-attributes of God. I know that our uh, kids in our school learn these because my fifth grader is telling me about these at the dinner table. The omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God, the omnipotence of God. Omni is just the Latin word for all. So God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And God is omnipresent. He is uh, everywhere present in all places. He's always present, right? Omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful. So how are we going to begin our new year as a church? We're going to start 
going to begin our new year as a church by asking the question, what is God like? We want to consider God. We want to get to know God. We want to see God rightly so then we can know and see ourselves uh, rightly. We're going to take three sermons to preach on these uh, omni-attributes of God. Here's a schedule of what it'll look like for the next four weeks. We're going to start this weekend with the omniscience of God. And then next weekend, just a quick break, um, raise choice. Uh, it's, it's like in Jeopardy, you get that, the category potpourri, right? Raise potpourri. Um, so 40 years, you finally get to choose what you get to preach on. So come find out next weekend uh, what Ray chooses. And then uh, we'll come back uh, the weekend after that. Adam Jones is going to preach on the omnipotence of God. And then the final weekend in January, Michael Hart will preach on the omnipresence uh, of God. I promise... If you engage with these sermons, if you really understand and grasp just one of these attributes of God more deeply, it will change your entire 2024. Might even change your whole life. So if you're ready, uh, we're going to start this morning with the omniscience of God. Normally, uh, I would have you stand and we'd read one passage of scripture, but we're going to go through lots of passages of scripture this morning. So I'm going to um, keep you seated. God is omniscient. First uh, John 3.20 says very plainly, God knows everything. God knows everything. That, that's it. That's most basic definition of the omniscience of God. God knows everything. But we can flesh this out further based on what the scriptures say in at least five ways. We can say that God knows everything perfectly, right? God knows everything perfectly. God's knowledge is perfect. Psalm 147, verse five, the psalmist writes, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. It's perfect. Isaiah 55, nine says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, we, we know things, but we don't know things like God knows things. Um, we think our knowledge is pretty impressive. Think about all the things that we've learned as a um, species. Right? Think of all the, the history of accomplishments and technologies and discoveries, all the books and movies and the internet and artificial intelligence. But do you know that as Vast as that seems, uh, one um, technology company says that you could take all the data on the internet, right? So, so all of our information, all the data on the internet, all of the TED Talks, all of the Twitter rants, um, you know, uh, all, all of the cat videos, and every podcast, you could store it all, all of that on about a million, two terabyte hard drives. Okay? You could stack those up and you could fit everything that's on the internet inside of one Walmart. Right? The, the vast sum, the accumulation of human knowledge can be stored in a space where you shop for your groceries. Because next to the knowledge of God, our knowledge is near zero. You know, I, I'm constantly forgetting where I put my stuff. Uh, and because of that, I have air tags. I have an air tag in my wallet, 
I have an air tag on my keys. I, I have an air tag on my day planner so that I won't lose that, right? Um, and so uh, I can use my phone to find my stuff, but then I forget where I put my phone. So then I have to go find my wife's phone so that I can call my phone so that I can get my phone to find my stuff so that I can leave the house, right? Well, God doesn't need find my, right? God never forgets. God knows everything perfectly. Paul says in Romans 11, verse 33, oh, the depth the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. That word inscrutable means mysterious. How mysterious are his ways. I had a professor in seminary who joked with us. He said, don't try to unscrew the inscrutable. God is not puzzled by the problems that puzzle us because God knows everything perfectly. The Bible also teaches that God knows everything exhaustively. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Job 28, 24, For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under heaven. Hebrews 4, 13 says, No creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows everything about us, what we feel, what we think, what we dream. Uh, in fact, Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Nothing can be kept secret from God. Psalm 90 verse 8 says, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Nothing can be kept secret from God. God knows everything exhaustively. And God knows everything eternally. Right? Past, present, and future, God knows it. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. God knows everything before it exists. Augustine said this, he said, the world could not be known to us unless it existed, but it could not have existed, however, unless it had been known to God. The world exists because God knew it beforehand. He, he knows all because he created all and he willed all. God knows what will be because he has decreed what shall be. Even to think God is outside of time. He created time. So God is outside of time. Technically for God, there is no future. All things are eternally present before his eyes. God knows everything eternally. That's why he can say in Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. And in Matthew 6, 8, Jesus said, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. So God knows everything eternally. God also knows everything simply, which means that God has never learned. God cannot learn. 
God does not grow. God never discovers anything. He is never surprised. He's never amazed because he is God. He is omniscient. Look at Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 14. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclose the dust of the earth in a measure. Weigh the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? God never learns. God knows everything simply. Wayne Grudem explains the simplicity of God's knowledge this way. He says, if God should wish to tell us the number of grains of sand on the seashore or the number of stars in the sky, he would not have to count them all quickly like some kind of giant computer, nor would he have to call the number to mind because it was something he had not thought about for some time. Rather, he always knows all things at once. He does not have to reason to conclusions or ponder carefully before he answers. Every bit of God's knowledge is always fully present in his consciousness. It never grows dim or fades into his non-conscious memory. You know that, that thing that happens when you go to say something and you know what you're going to say and you go to say it and it's, oh, it's right there like on the tip of your tongue, and you can't remember, that never happens to God. God doesn't have that problem because God knows everything. God knows everything perfectly, exhaustively, eternally, simply. And last, God knows everything intimately. God knows everything intimately. You know, other people might know your home been in your home, but only you know your home intimately. Other people might know your spouse or know your children, but only you know them intimately. God, our Heavenly Father, knows every little detail about everything in his creation. Jerome was a priest and a theologian in the fourth century. He translated the Bible into Latin, but even he struggled with this idea that God knows things so intimately. He wrote, it is absurd to assert that God knows each moment how many mosquitoes are born and how many die, how many bugs, fleas, and flies there are in the world, how many fishes swim in the water, and which of the smaller ones should serve as a meal for the bigger ones. But in fact, that kind of intimate knowledge of God is exactly what the Bible teaches. Consider Psalm 50, verses 10 through 11. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, even the one that slammed into your windshield, Brandon, right? And all that moves in the field is mine. Psalm 170, 147 verse 4 says, He determines the numbers of the stars. He gives to them all their names. He's named the stars. Jesus said in Matthew 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart 
from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Some of us more, some of us less, right? They're all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Do you hear the intimacy of God's knowledge? Not a sparrow falls to the ground. Every single hair on your head is numbered. David says in Psalm 56, I love this, you have kept count of my tossings. Do you know when you lay in bed at night and you can't sleep because of something going on and you're thinking about it and you're tossing back and forth? God knows each and every time you toss. He's kept count of them. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God knows every single tear that you've ever shed. And perhaps the most intimate description of God's knowledge, if I could have only picked uh, one passage of scripture to preach on, the omniscience of God, it might have been Psalm 139. We read it earlier in the service portion of it, um, but it's worth reading again as we're thinking about this, right? Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Wow. I mean, how do you, how do you not read that and just... just Tozer sums it up by saying, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every vote and all votes, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and on earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. God knows everything. God is omniscient. So knowing that that is what God is like, what then does that mean about us? What does that reveal about us? It's interesting that in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve. He made them perfect, right? They, they, they were happy. They, um, they, they happily lived under the omniscience of God. But then Satan came along right, and tempted them. And how did he tempt them? It says, the serpent said to the woman, if you eat that fruit that God told you not to eat, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Serpent came to Adam and Eve and tempted them to be like God, to be all-knowing. Our pastor, when we lived in St. Louis, said, you were never meant to repent because you don't know it all. You were meant to repent because you've tried. Our fallen condition, the temptation to which we succumb over and over again is we try to be omniscient like God. Alexa and Siri and Google have become the means by which we try to be omniscient. We try to know everything so that we can make life work without having to trust God. We also overestimate our own knowledge and our own abilities. There's a name for it. It's called the illusion of confidence. One study found that uh, 80% of drivers rate themselves as above average, which is statistically impossible. (laughs) Of course, I'm an excellent driver. (laughs) Even when I was writing this sermon, I got to a point where, uh, as I do with most sermons, where I'm sitting there staring at the screen, the little cursor thing is blinking, and I can't think about what to say, and I'm racking my brain. Right, And it hits me, Brandon, why won't you pray about this? Don't you believe that God knows everything? And if you believe that God knows everything, why don't you ask him? Because you don't. Um, if, if I really believed in the omniscience of God, then I would be less trusting of myself, less trusting of my own knowledge and more dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that as sinners, we don't like an omniscient God. Sinners don't like an omniscient God. Why? Psalm 10 verse 11 says, the wicked man says in his heart, God has forgotten. He's hidden his face. He will never see it. God will never see this. But God never overlooks anything. It is vain to try and hide anything from him. Adam and Eve, what did they do after they sinned? They tried to hide. They tried to hide from each other and they tried to hide from God. They realized that they were naked, not just physically naked, but morally naked because of their sin. The omniscience of God is unsettling if you are his enemy. Numbers 32, 33 says, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Some uh, neighbors living in a quiet street in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, woke up one morning to police lights and their 94-year-old neighbor being escorted out his door in handcuffs. They were confused because they, they knew this man. He lived a quiet life, and um, there was nothing about him that seemed strange. Uh, the reason that the police were there was because back in 1950, there were some identification cards that had uh, been um, uh, discovered, but they had disintegrated. 
but modern technology now had brought these cards back together and, and the authorities were able to read the names that were listed on these cards, the names of all of the SS officers who had been over the concentration camps of, of Germany and been part of the effort to exterminate the Jewish people. And so this led the police to the door of this 94-year-old man living in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. The director of uh, education for the Tennessee Holocaust Commission told the New York Times, every time that somebody is brought to justice, even from 50 years ago or longer, that is a message to the world because we are not going to stop until everybody is brought to justice. Even if it's something you did years ago, it will catch up to you. The neighbors of this man did not see a Nazi war criminal. They just saw an elderly man living in the United States who had come from Germany. But what we cannot see, God sees. So friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know the forgiveness of God, if you think that you can do life without God, that you can sin freely and he won't find you out, the Bible is very clear. There is a day of judgment coming. We never know when it is. You don't know when that day will be, but today is the day to repent. Today is the day to seek his mercy. Today is the day to confess your sins to the all-knowing God. He already knows them. He's just waiting for you to confess them. All of us have scorned God's omniscience. All of us have been guilty in various ways of trying to be omniscient like God. But the all-knowing God knew that we would need saving he knew that Adam and Eve would sin. He knew that you and I would sin. That's why he became one of us. And as one of us, it says about him in John 2, about Jesus, he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. He knew what was in every man. And do you remember the conversation between Peter and the resurrected Jesus, after Peter had denied him three times, Jesus said to him that third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. Jesus, you know everything. Jesus knows everything because Jesus is God. He is the omniscient God. He knows everything about us. He knows the worst things about us. And yet he still went to the cross for us. He still died for us. He still rose for us. Knowing the worst about us, he still offers us grace and mercy and forgiveness if we are willing to repent and trust him for salvation. And for those who have put their faith and trust in Christ for the one who's no longer morally naked but has been covered in the robes of Christ's righteousness, God's omniscience is not unsettling. It is comforting. Believer, here is the comfort that I have for you this morning. Knowing that God is omniscient gives you peace when facing life's uncertainties. Knowing God's omniscience gives you peace when facing life's uncertainties. 
when you sit there and you think, I just don't know what will happen. I just don't know what will come from this. I just don't know what the future holds. God knows. I went to go see Jackie Frazee um, in the hospital just hours before she passed and we prayed with her um, and I read her scripture and you know when you go to, to, to go and read scripture to somebody who's dying, you're thinking what, what, what scripture do I wanna read? What, is, what do they need to hear right now? And I thought about Jackie because if you knew her, um, you knew that she lived for many years in a lot of pain. She would say, you know, on a daily basis, like a, a scale of one out of 10, I'm living like a pain level nine constantly. And yet she had more joy, more trust, more prayer uh, than, than anyone I knew. And so I read to her a verse from Job because her life reminded me of Job, the suffering that she had experienced. And in this verse, Job says, God, you know my ways. You know my ways, God. You know everything about me, everything I've gone through, everything I've experienced. You know it all. You know me. You know my ways. And when I have been tried, I shall turn out as gold. I told Jackie, your time of trial is over. It's time to turn out like gold. Not because you mustered it up and were good enough, but because God loves you, because he's covered you in Christ's robes of righteousness. He knows everything about you. It gives you peace when facing life's uncertainties. John Flavel is one of my favorite um, Puritan writers. He says this, he says, if you could but see how God and his secret counsel has exactly laid the whole plan of your salvation, if you could see even to the smallest means and circumstances, if you could but discern the admirable harmony of divine dispensions, their mutual relations, together with the general respect they all have to the last end, had you the liberty to make your own choice, you would, of all conditions in the world, choose that in which you are now. If you knew everything, like God knows everything, you would choose for yourself what God has chosen for you. How else do you think it was that Jesus was able to sleep in the boat while the storm was raging around him, except that he knew that his heavenly Father knows everything? And so you too can rest, can be at peace, no matter what life brings. Knowing God is omniscient also assures us that he will love us to the end. That he loves us to the end. John 13, the famous passage, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, gathers with his disciples in the upper room, and it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew, he knew, that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing 
that the Father had given all things to his hands. Knowing that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus knew. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew that Peter would deny him. He knew you and what you would do to him. And yet he still humbled himself. He still washed their feet and then went to the cross and died for them, for you. God knows everything about you, the worst things about you, and yet he still chose to love you. He still chose to make you his own. And it means he'll love you to the end. A.W. Tozer says, to us who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us in the gospel, how unutterably sweet is the knowledge that our heavenly father knows us completely. No talebearer can inform on us. No enemy can make an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of some hidden closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our characters can come to light to turn God away from us since he knew us utterly before we knew him and called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. So brothers and sisters, as you begin a new year, as you think about what came before you, what you're going through now, what lies ahead of you, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know the all-knowing God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the all-knowing God. Thank you that knowing everything about us, you still came for us and that you love us, that you will do so to the end. Would you cause us to trust you, to trust in your omniscience, to rest? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us, and thank you, Lord, that you've given it to us. Lord, we worship you, the all-knowing God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.